Hey, good morning, everybody. I am so glad that you are here, and uh, it is it is great to be together again this week. Um, I want to I want to echo, um, as Jeff mentioned, a thanks to our a thanks to our worship team this morning, and I and I want you to actually hold on to some of those words because uh, hopefully th- some of those words are an encouragement to you this morning, as we go. What I I, I think is the most difficult part of this series. I can't believe I. I quite honestly think this morning's message, the message that we are going to look at today, is probably the most difficult part and, and also possibly the most understandable part of why somebody struggles to believe. So I want you to hold on to those words that Tara led us in singing when she said, not for a minute, right, was I forsaken. Um, because sometimes in our lives, sometimes as we go through this life, we feel that way, right? Yeah, and we, we feel that way. We feel just like that text that you just read. My prayers seem to go unanswered. And if you have ever been there, if you have ever been at that point in your life, I, I just want you to know that, that hopefully this message is an encouragement to you today. But at the same time, I, I don't ever want to pretend to beat on somebody that's in that state. Why? Because you look and you're there like, you know what? My prayers weren't answered, and I struggle with what we call disappointment. I can't believe because of disappointment. So we're in this, uh, we're in week four, and it is the final week of this series, I, I Can't Believe. And I've already given you the punch there that it is going to be about this idea right here of disappointment. But we've looked back over, and we've looked over last week, looked at the idea of those that are short-sighted. They, they don't see the long-term plan. We looked before that at the skeptic. The skeptic's the one that just, I, I can't believe, and I'm not going to believe because I follow facts, right? And they, and they follow the science and all that stuff. And, and as, I, as I talk about that, all of that is important. I, I don't shy away from that at all. I just always encourage you, make sure that you check the facts. Make sure you check the science of the first century um, because there is a lot there that you need to deal with, right? And, and, even, and even prior to that, as we, as we look through this series, I can't believe. Some of us, we struggle because we, I, I was just born a Christian, wasn't I? Um, and I'm better than the person down the street, down the aisle from me, whichever it may be. You may look down and say, yeah, I'm a lot better. Wh- whatever the case may be. Are you in one of these categories? Do you fall into one of these locations where it's, I struggle to believe? Well, this series has been a, a, a journey, um, really just taking a look at four stories, four of the accounts from the gospel writer, John. John, who wrote so that we may know, so that we may believe. He gave us that insight in chapter 20 of his gospel. We call chapter 20 of his gospel saying that these things are written that you might believe. John is the one, and he gives us these signs. I want to call them signs as we're looking at it, and today's going to be another sign that he has given us that he was, that he is the Messiah. And John writes these things having spent time with Christ. John is an eyewitness writer of the accounts of Jesus Christ. Don't lose track of that. He is a person who walked, who was there with Christ, who spent time with him. Don't lose track track of that in our minds. So this morning, I can't believe disappointment, right? What would you do, or what do you do? What do we do? What do each of us do when God disappoints us? How do we respond when God disappoints us? One of the things that can happen to us is this right here. We can lose our faith, right? All of a sudden, we're like that text, I've prayed and I've tried, but God doesn't answer my prayers. 
And you probably know a story of somebody like that. Let me just give you an example. A media mogul, Ted Turner, you're familiar with him, you're familiar with CNN, you're familiar with PBS, TNT, and all the other Turner networks that he created. Ted Turner was, he was a pretty strong atheist through, this, through, the, through his many of his adult years. He's not as strong in that position as he once was. But I don't know if you knew this, growing up, Ted Turner was a follower of Christ, would have called himself a follower of Christ as a teenager, active in his church, someone that prayed. But his life was changed because of a situation where God disappoints you. And it wasn't he lost his girlfriend in high school. It wasn't he got bad grades or didn't get accepted into the college that he wanted to or didn't get his way. But rather, his story is rather a story of great interest. Um, he had a younger sister who was sick. And as a result of her sickness, she, she went through terrible pain for years and then passed away. As a result of that, Ted Turner's father killed himself. Yeah, now you may understand why Ted Turner turned and said, I don't understand how a good God could allow something like this to happen in my life. And if you have walked through that pain, if you have walked through a similar amount of pain, you are somebody that says, you know what, I, I get it. I understand. You may know somebody that has walked through that, and you may say, I, I understand. So we can lose our faith in a moment like that. However, some of us, some of us, we isolate that question from our faith, right? Whenever something happens to us, um, what do you do when God disappoints you? If, 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 you're, if you're there like, I, I just don't want to deal with it. I want to throw that out. And we just get rid of that question. And we don't want to go down the line of if a good God allows bad things, how is it? And, and we get nervous and we go back and forth. And we just eliminate that question from our faith. And we continue to walk by faith. And then there's another category. We press deeper into our faith. Some people in the midst of struggle, some people in the midst of difficulties, they press even deeper into their faith. Um, you are familiar with the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Um, I, I, or let me say, I would imagine that a number of us are familiar with the, the song, It Is Well With Our Soul. A number of you may even be familiar with the story, but Horatio Spafford, who wrote that song, all right, back in the 1800s, 1870s is when he wrote it. He wrote that song following the Chicago fires where his business, where his family business was destroyed. Horatio was going to go, he was going to go work with, do some work with an evangelistic, um, one of the evangelists of that day, D.L. Moody. And in getting ready to do that, he was going to send his family, all right, he had a wife and four daughters across the Atlantic Ocean back to England, and, and they were all going to go together, and all of a sudden at the last minute his plans changed. He sent the family on ahead because he wanted to take care of some business that was still taking place here in the States. Midway across the Atlantic, right, the boat, has a, the boat crashes, and as a result his four daughters die, and the only thing that he receives back from his wife is saved alone. And in the midst of that grief, in the midst of why do bad things happen to good people, right? That's the question that we're asking. In the midst of that situation, he writes the words, it is well with my soul. And if you are a follower of Christ, or if you've been in church for any amount of time, at some point, you have probably sung that song, and you have felt that. And we are reminded in our, we are reminded in our service this morning, not for a minute was I forsaken. Even when we may have felt forsaken. 
So this morning, as we look at this, as we look at this story, as we look at another sign that Jesus performs, I want you, I want you to feel comforted. All right, if you are in that place, that disappointment, your disappointment, it might not be as great as those. Yours might be the mere fact that, God, I am just asking for a job. Can you help me out there? Huh? Give me a sign. Give me something. All right? I, I just, just something to go on. Maybe it's, maybe it's you're there like, I'm just asking for a date, Lord. It's not a big one. And the date's not even for me. It's for my son or my daughter, right? That, 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 just come on. Can we help? I, I, don't know where, I don't know where you're at or, or what your difficulty may be. But I don't want to minimize that. Why? Because disappointment hurts. But at the same time, I want to encourage us, hopefully, in our walk this morning, hopefully where you're at in your life, that we can be encouraged because we do have a Savior. And John gives us these signs. John gives us these insights into our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was walking with him. And he saw this, the Son of God, the Messiah on earth, who in the midst of terrible things happening in the first century didn't eliminate them, but rather rescued his people from them. And not from the pain, but he rescued us from our greatest need, which was that of our brokenness, of our sinfulness, that we are separated from our God. So as we open up, as we're going to take a look, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John, and I'm going to let you know we are going to look at the Gospel of John again, and it's John chapter 11 that we are going to look at, and we are going to go through a number of verses here and hopefully go through them rather quickly. But I just want to let you know, we're going to take a look at a New Testament map here. Some, some of you, you have these in the back of your Bible, and you look at those. But uh, Jesus, the ministry of Jesus takes place in this area, and the majority of it takes place up here in the Sea of Galilee area, all right, up in Galilee, a good portion up there. But also, down here is Jerusalem. So Jesus and his disciples spend time going back and forth between these areas. And one of the things that you want to know when they come down to Jerusalem, one of the difficulties that frequently occurs down in Jerusalem with Jesus is when he's down there is when he seems to get in trouble. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees, they, they want to get rid of him, right? The keepers of the law, those that are in Jerusalem, they're worried that we might lose our power. We don't need this so-called Messiah coming and messing up our role. We don't even know who he is. But he frequently has trouble down there. And this story actually takes place right in one of these situations. It's going to take place here, as, as John tells us. Um, well, let's just start. John chapter 11, verse 1. Let's take a look and we'll read down through here. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. All right, um, Bethany is up north in Galilee, like we were talking about there, all right? So they, excuse me, Bethany is down south near Jerusalem. Ooh, don't mess that up, all right? So it is down south. It's about two miles from Jerusalem, as a matter of fact. So it is down south in the Jerusalem area, and yet Jesus is going to be up in the area of Galilee. And this is what takes place. This, this Mary, all right, goes on to say, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus, now he's sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So John is referencing back. He wants you to know, hey, there's multiple Marys. This is the Mary that was, she was kind of scorned by others when she showed up at a dinner and washed Jesus' feet. And the other people were looking, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he'd know he doesn't hang out with her. All right? That's who this Mary is, and John wants us to be aware. And he continues on and says this. John tells us this. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. How would you like to have that terminology said about you? 
Lord, the one you love. No name needed, just the one that you love. He is sick. John continues on telling us a story. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So if you are one of the disciples that are there with him at this moment, you hear this, all right? Hey, the one you love is sick, all right? So what are they asking? Lord, will you come? Will you come and take care of this one? All right, we need you. We know that you're able to heal. We know that you're able to take care of situations. Will you come? Will you take care of this? And Jesus just lets them know this sickness will not end in death. John, I think, as he writes this, has given us a little bit of an insight here with this next passage. Because in the next verse, he says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Um, I kind of think that's important for us to know. And John puts it in there for us to know. Because what Jesus does in this next moment may not make sense, all right? You get word that somebody is sick, all right? And right here is what Jesus does when he hears that. So John's letting us know he loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. When, uh, yeah, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. So a messenger comes up, messenger comes from Bethany up to Galilee and informs him, hey, Lord, the one that you love, he's sick, and they want you to come down immediately. And yet Jesus gets the word, and he stays put, all right, stays right there for two more days. And John, as he recalls this and writes this down for us, it's of interest to him. He's like, two more days, we stayed. Maybe John's thinking in his mind, back then, we were all surprised. We couldn't believe. How can you wait so long? Let's get going. Maybe John is like, what's going to take place in the rest of the story? We didn't want to go. We were glad we stayed. All right? Then he said to his disciples, Jesus continued on, let us go back to Judea. So now they're up in Galilee, and he's saying, let's go back down to Judea, back down to, to Jerusalem. And right here is why the disciples may have been happy we stayed two more days, and I would say it makes it apparent that they wanted to stay a little longer. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus, let us remind you, they're not your fans. They don't like you. We don't know that we even want to go back down to you. Why? Because guess what? They tried to stone you, and those of us that are with you when you're getting stoned, quite honestly, we get kind of nervous about ourselves. We might get stoned too, exactly, right? We might... Right? They're there like the ones that are around you. We, we, we don't want to do that. So they're nervous. So they say, hey, uh, you, you sure you want to go back down there? Jesus answered. And he tells them, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's interesting here as he talks about this idea. All right, as a matter of fact, the next verse he goes on to say, it, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. One of the interesting things about this passage of Scripture right here that it's put in here is just two chapters earlier, just a little bit earlier, Jesus had given light to a blind man, a man that had been born blind. Jesus provides light to them. And right here in this moment, 
Jesus is talking about a physical light, but Jesus is also, I believe that he's also talking about a spiritual light, which he does so well in his conversations, right? Physical and spiritual brings them together constantly. And we're going to see that a little bit later in this story as well as he does that. But as he goes, as he goes through this, he's like, listen, gentlemen, I want you to know, we walk in the light. We can walk down in the light. But he also wants them to know, you are with the light. I just gave light to a blind man's eyes. You are walking with the light. The light will never be more with you than it is with you right now. I am walking here on earth with you. You can go with me. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I am going there to wake him up. So he lets the disciples know the situation of what Lazarus is. He's fallen asleep. Hey, we're just going to go. We're going to wake him up. Now listen to the disciples here, right? His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus, let me help you out, right? We're going to help you out with this whole medical thing, all right? We're aware, all right, that people, right, what do they need to do when they're sleep, when, when they're sick? We send them home, we tell them to get some sleep, get some rest, get some chicken noodle soup, you know, the whole thing, Jesus, you know how that works, and they'll get better. And they're letting Jesus know, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Why are they saying this? We don't want to go back down there. We remember the stoning thing. We don't like that. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant just the natural sleep. So then, he, had to, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And check the next words here. And for your sake, speaking to his disciples, and for your sake, and as John writes this years later, and he says, and for your sake, and maybe as he's writing that, he's writing that to those that will read this later, not realizing that 2,000 years later we'll be reading it, but maybe and for our sake. I'm glad I was not there. Hang on, that's, that's painful. So Jesus, you're okay with the pain that Mary and Martha are going through? You're okay with the fact that their brother died? You're okay with that? We hung around for two extra days? And it's okay? And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. Jesus is in the process of another sign. And he wants those that are there with him. Those that are going to read about this thousands of years later. To realize that they can believe. You can believe. You can be aware. You can know that Jesus is who he says that he is. And he says, but let us go to him. Now, this, this next verse is thrown, John puts us in there um, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's just great that he puts us in there because this is Thomas. Look at Thomas, his response is, then Thomas, also called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, why? That we may die with him. Thomas He's positive. Whew. Let's keep a good perspective here. Thomas, well, Lazarus is dead. Jesus is going to go down and die. 
We might as well go with him. I, I mean, I don't know how else to read that. I don't know how else we can take that. Maybe I can spiritualize it some other way and say, well, Thomas was really speaking of, I, I, I don't know. All I can see is just there, Thomas' response. His response is, well, let's go, let's go die with him. And I, and I think it's physical death right here that he's talking about. Why? Because they've been nervous about the whole stoning thing. So they're probably thinking, well, let's go down. Maybe we could fight with him. Maybe we can make it last. Maybe we could do all right. I don't know. There's 12 of us. If we all stick together with him, he seems to be pretty incredible at these things. Maybe he can bail us all out. But Thomas is there like, let's go die with him. And just so you know, the disciples, right, they, they were. Oftentimes they were ready to die with their Savior. And ultimately, they did. Ultimately, they did, sharing the truth of what they had seen. Why? Because they believed. Why? Because their faith didn't rest in something that they had been told. Their faith rested in something that they saw. They saw their Savior crucified. They saw him beaten. They saw him put on a cross. They saw him thrown in a tomb. They saw a stone rolled in front. And then they, had, they saw him in an upper room, and they had breakfast with him on a beach. Their lives were changed. Why? Because of what they saw. And that's why they write these things for us. And that's why John writes his gospel for us. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So when he gets down to Bethany, he's down there, and this is just a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And the next couple of verses tell us that there were a number of Jews that had come to meet with Mary and Martha and were comforting them. All right, But when Jesus gets down there and arrives, verse 21 goes on to tell us, Lord, Martha comes out and says to him, right? He's down there. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, I know you could. Why didn't you? Lord, in the midst of my difficulty, in the midst of my pain, I cried out to you. As a young man, Ted Turner cried out to his God saying, help my sister. Why didn't you? And we've been there. And we've had that question. And Martha asks the question and says to him, Lord, if you'd been here, and she continues on by saying, but now I know, but I, but I know that even now, God, you, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. If you have been here with us as we've gone through the series, one of the things that I've mentioned to you is Jesus is so good at talking to people. And people start talking physical with him, right? In chapter 3, when we talked about Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus, he's talking to him, how can a man be born again? Nicodemus is thinking physical, it can't happen, and Jesus is talking spiritual. In chapter 4 of John, we, we didn't look specifically at this, but I've mentioned it. Chapter 4 of John, Jesus meets with the woman at the well, and when he meets with the woman at the well, he talks to her about this living water, and she's thinking about fresh water, and she's there like, bring this water to me, I want it, I won't have to come out here and draw all the time. But Jesus, she's thinking physical. Jesus is talking spiritual with her right here in this passage. And he continues on with that throughout chapter, chapter 6, chapter 9. Um, and right here as he looks at this, he's there like, Martha's there like, I know he'll rise again. Martha's think, thinking spiritual, right? She's thinking, I know that he'll rise again. I find it interesting because here in this one, Jesus isn't talking spiritual. He is talking spiritual. 
but he's also talking physical. Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus continued by saying to her, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha's probably scratching her head. I don't even understand what you just said. I am the resurrection and the life. Nobody says that. Nobody talks like that. I am the resurrection and the life. No, 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 Jesus, I'm talking about in the last time, I'm sure that he will rise, all right? I'm sure he'll be part of the resurrection. But Jesus is there, no, 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 no. Mary, what you don't understand, excuse me, Martha, what you don't understand, I am the resurrection and the life. And do you think their minds didn't think of this on that Sunday morning when, they're, when he's risen and they're wondering where is the body? He had told us he is the resurrection and the life. Is it possible? Do you think they weren't reminded of this when they actually saw him following his resurrection? He said he was the resurrection and the life. We didn't understand it. And yet, here he is. He is the physical resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Do you believe this? So what do we need in our life when it comes to disappointment? Where, do we, where is it that we need to go? What is it that we need to look at? When disappointment settles into our life, we need to realize that there is truth that cannot be shaken. I struggle with this sometimes right here because truth can sometimes be unkind, can sometimes be cold, and we can become so focused on truth, 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 truth that we forget that there's grace, 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 and grace that is greater. But Jesus came and he was, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. He provides all. So what is it that truth provides for us? Truth brings hope. You see, into this situation, sometimes we want to beat down the person that doesn't believe. Well, you just got to believe in Jesus. You just got to have more faith. Well, I can't have faith. Why? Because my life, this is broken. We're like, well, you got to believe. Right? We stand up front. You got to believe. You got to hold on to it. And you're like, no, I can't. But Jesus, in his love, in his kindness, he brings truth that cannot be shaken, but he brings that truth with grace. And what does he provide? He provides hope. And within Martha's life, she has hope. And her response is this, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah. That's her Jewish aspect coming out, right? You are the Messiah, but here's her human side coming out as well. The Son of God. You're not just the Jewish Messiah, but rather you are the Son of God who has come into the world. Here at this moment, this time in life, we have the Son of God with us. And Martha is responding to him saying, yes, I believe. After she had said this, she went back, all right, and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. So she goes back and she's going to get Mary, and, and when Mary hears this, right, when Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went out to him. Um, notice the sequence here, right? Martha had gone out, 
I'm willing to bet that Mary stayed back. Maybe she's a little annoyed. Jesus, where were you? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she was just hosting all the guests that were back there. Because the next couple of verses here tell us again that there were a number of Jews that were there with them. And as Mary gets up to leave, they anticipate that she's getting ready to go back out to the tomb to mourn there a little bit. So they're going to go with her. But as they go with Mary, they realize that, oh, she's coming out to Jesus. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And what did she say? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Were Mary and Martha talking about, hey, what are we going to say to Jesus when he actually shows up? We're going to blister him. We're going to get him, right? No, I don't think that's what they were talking about. What? She had the same emotions that her sister had. Lord, Jesus, if you had been here, why? You could have, but you didn't. Why? When Jesus heard this, all right, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled. And he says to him, where have you laid them? Where have you taken them? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus, seeing the moment, seeing these people, seeing the heartache, and right here is his response, Jesus wept. Moved with emotion. There are different times when we talk about Jesus crying in the New Testament. And there are different people who believe different things about the crying here. Well, he he cries, but he knows what's going to take place. I, I don't know, but he's moved with emotion about the people that are there. And we have a Savior who weeps when we weep. We have a Savior who has emotion and cares for us in the midst of our difficulties. The Jews go on after seeing him weep. They go on and they say, see how he loved him. And look what some of them say, right? They say the same thing. They ask the same question that we're asking. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Right right there, three times in the story, we have seen this response of people that are there. Lord, you could have. Why didn't you? So when our heart breaks in the midst of difficulty, when our heart is broken at times of heartache and despair, we're not alone. We have a God who spoke into this moment. We have a Savior who spoke into this moment. And right here is Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the, ta- came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. And what does Jesus say? He says, take away the stone. They look at him and say, Lord, right? But Lord, said Martha, he's, he's been in there. He's been dead. He's got a bad odor. He has been there for four days. We don't want the stone removed now. We understand that you're late for the viewing and everything like that, but it's, it's a little bit past the time. It's okay that you were this late. Um, we don't think we need the stone removed. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you? Believe. Believe, and you will see the glory of God. So what did they do? They continue and they ask. They took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew, he continues, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Why? That they may believe. 
again, Jesus is all about the idea that the people that are standing there, I want them to believe something. And what is it? They want, he wants them to believe something about him, that he is the resurrection and the life. That in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of asking the question, Lord, where are you? You can believe. And he says that just in his prayer that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And everybody around there that is now backed up because of the stench, right? They're all back in their way. They're like, whew, we don't want to, we want to be around here. They look and they hear and they're like, what is he doing? And what happens? The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And in the midst of a moment like this, the resurrection and the life has spoken. And he's brought the dead man back to life. And if you're like me, that's a great story, John. I'm glad you included it. But it hasn't brought my loved one back to life. It didn't heal the hurt. It didn't heal the disappointment with me. So God, where are you today? I realize that it may have worked 2,000 years ago, but that's not happening today. God, where is the comfort? Where is the help for me in my disbelief? Why? Because I find it so hard to understand why these bad things continue to go on. And I struggle. And Lord, would you just answer? From this day forward, the Jews, they decided that they needed to kill Jesus. And they decided that they needed to kill him and Lazarus as well. And the story is going to continue and move rather quickly from here to a time when just a few, a, sh a short while from here, and just a short distance from here, there's going to be a Savior who cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. You see, we have a Savior who has gone through the pain and through the difficulty. And does it make it easier for us? No. Does it answer all of the questions that we want answered? No. But does it give us hope? It gives us hope. Why? Because in the midst of our disappointment, we have a Savior who has love for us. We have a love that is felt. And while that love may not bring back that loved one, that hurt, finish, take care of that hurt in our life, the disappointment, that love brings comfort to us. A number of years ago, um, when my wife and I first moved back to New York, uh, six, 16 years ago, we got a call, I think it was a year into being here, and uh, getting that call, if you've heard me speak you before, you've heard me use this story before. And it was a call from my former boss, an athletic director down in, uh, down in Pennsylvania, and just informing me of a young man that had been killed in a car accident. I believe at the time he was a sophomore, maybe a junior in college, killed on his way to work one morning. Um, so my wife and I, this is uh, August time frame, we go down, and we go, we go to the funeral. 
And when we go to the funeral, the, one of the things that amazed me is just the number of people. It was a, it's a, it's a huge church there. It's right in, it's right in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. And in meeting there, there were a number of people. And uh, two, two pastors, two pastors led the service. One was a priest and the other was, the other was a Protestant minister. The mom and dad were one, one Catholic, one Protestant. But I remember the dad getting up at the end of the service, right? Talking to hundreds of people that are there to bring comfort, bring encouragement to this guy who has lost his, he had two kids, he had a daughter and a son, who has now lost his son, Right? who bore his name, named after him. And in the midst of his heartache, in the midst of his despair, his words are this. <clears throat> how do people, how do people get through this that don't have faith in God? He couldn't imagine it. And one of the things that that reminds me of is our grief, our despair, our disappointment can take us in, in a couple of different directions, right? And yet some lean into Christ, lean into God, lean into their faith, lean into the hope, lean into the comfort that the love of Jesus Christ can bring, even in the midst of difficulties. God, you could have, you could have brought, you, you didn't have to have that car accident occur. How about a flat tire just a mile before on the highway? How about late to work that day? Or how about early to work that day? Whatever the case may be. But his question, but his thought, his response, how do people without faith get through this? I'd encourage you in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of heartache that tears you apart, to reconsider the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who cares for us. You see, Peter, who was there with Christ at all of these events as well, he later went on to say, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And Peter knew that. He'd been there. He had seen that. John, who walked with Jesus, said, believe. See this and believe. And they went out in the midst of a world full of despair, in the midst of a world full of difficulties, and they shared the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray, I pray that Jesus can be your encouragement in the midst of your greatest disappointment. Pray with me if you would, please. God, it's a difficult thing um, when we talk about the goodness of God and yet why do bad things happen? And Lord, we don't claim to know the answers. We don't claim to have the answers. And God, it's even difficult to comfort people in times of despair like that. But Lord, we have a Savior who in the midst of despair, in the midst of, dis in the midst of disgrace, in the midst of being beaten, cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He bore our place so that we would know that not for a minute were we ever forsaken, but we have a Savior who is there with us. 
God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would just bless and encourage those that are here this morning that needed this word from your writer, John, that it would encourage and lift them up. God, if we can be an encouragement to anybody this morning, I pray that they would come and that they would seek prayer. Lord, I would ask them that they would come talk to myself, talk to Pastor Jeff, talk to another person wearing a band this morning. People, if you are here this morning, I would encourage you, if you need help, if you need prayer, come and catch us this morning. God, we pray all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine through the power of our risen Savior, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you. Would you stand as we close and sing?